Welcome to The Kindness Podcast. I'm Nicole Phillips. Genevieve Petura was a successful television marketing executive in New York City for 20 years when a little girl's question changed the course of her life forever. Genevieve jumped off the corporate ladder and began delivering pajamas and books to children in shelters. She is now the founder of the radically successful Pajama Program. I'm happy to introduce you today to my guest, Genevieve Paturo. Now, she has a new book out, a new book out right now. Try that all again. Called Purpose, Passion, and Pajamas. Um, but I wanted to bring her on the podcast for a really specific reason. And so let's bring her out here right now. Hi, Genevieve. Hi, Nicole. It is so great to meet you. And after learning about the pajama program and um, and in your new book and, and all of that, I've just kind of fallen in love with your heart. I'll be honest. Oh, that's so nice to say. Thank you. It is the truth. And, and here's why. Um, we're going to get into pajama program in just a second. But um, what I have found in your book, what I heard and read and saw in your book was a woman who has been through um, this revelation and in, and got to the other side of it through all of the trials. And yet in that, you didn't write a book to say, check out my program. Here's what I did. And lots of people volunteered. Isn't that great? You went a step further and you said, now let me help you with your revelation. Let me help you if you've been asking the universe, like, what am I here for? What am I supposed to do? And you do it so subtly so that it's like you're you're sitting down with a friend who's telling you a story and yet giving nuggets of just this great wisdom along the way. So thanks for giving so much honesty in your heart to this project. Oh, thank you for that. Thank you for that. I'm really glad something resonated with you and with others because I did want to be really honest throughout. Mm -hmm. Well, you sure are. So let's go back and talk about that question from a little girl and maybe mm -hmm. a little before that. Where were you before a little girl asked you a question that changed your life? Well, I wanted to just climb the corporate ladder. You know, since I was a little girl, that was my dream. You know, I wanted to be Mary Tyler Moore. I wanted to be the New York City, big city girl um, climbing up to the top. And I wanted to do it in the entertainment business in New York. And so that's what I was doing. And it was really contrary to my parents. I was the first of four. My dad came from Italy, literally off the boat, and they expected me to go to college, all of us, and then to get married and have kids. But I was I was uh, marching to a different drummer. So there I was climbing the corporate ladder, thinking I had a great life, you know, and I did, no complaints. But I was 38, so 12 years in, and I was alone in my apartment, and I heard a voice come, and, and I say it came from here, heart voice. I talk about that in my book, and I had never really paid attention. You know, I, I hear this all the time, like we all do. And I think this was probably trying to get out for a long time. And it said to me, asked me a question. And it asked me if this is the next 30 years of your life, is this enough? And that stopped me cold. Um, it was it was a really um, daunting moment. I, I knew I heard the voice and I was afraid that it did come from, you know, me. And it was really just challenging my life. And I realized that I did miss having my own family. There was something to my parents and the traditional um, Italian or, you know, just traditional family way. And I was, was looking for a way to bring children into my life. And that's when I started 
reading in shelters. I, I literally called the police station and asked them, where do you bring these children that I see on the news and I read about that are taken from harm's way to somewhere safe? And they gave me some numbers and that began um, my reading to children in shelters at night. And um, the next thing I know, I'm sitting on the floor in a shelter with my pantsuit on, my corporate suit, <laughs> reading to these beautiful little faces. And it was the most still I had, I could remember ever being, you know, we're so caught up in, in the rat race. And here I was sitting with these children who were afraid and, and alone and didn't know what they were doing there. And I was reading my stories and, and one night was, was the moment that changed everything. So if, I don't know if you want me to tell the story here. Well, yeah, absolutely. Okay. As you know, it started with books and then it moved on to pajamas, which is something, of course, you know, you put on your jammies and you go to bed, right? Get a kiss yeah. from mama. Good night. Well, not there, not there. I mean, <clears throat> what happened was one night after several in different shelters reading quietly to the children for about 45 minutes, sitting on the floor and they sat with me on the floor. I followed to see where they were going to sleep at night. And when I peered into another bare small room, I saw only cots and futons and two or more children helped up onto one of the surfaces and they had nothing to change into. And they didn't have anyone to sit at their bedside to read a story. And some of them were, were sniffling and crying and the staff were so nice, but it wasn't you know, what I had, what, what all of us, what I thought we all had. And I had those memories of my mom flooding to me while I watched what I was watching this, this scene. And I remember the giggling and the laughing and my mom at our bedside and telling us stories and of course, pajamas. So when the staff, they had to actually nudge me out because I think I was caught up in the memories and watching what I was watching. I asked if I could bring pajamas the next week. And they said, that would be lovely. So I was so excited all week shopping and didn't want to leave anybody out, didn't know what sizes or how many boys or girls, it was always different. I brought a whole bunch of pajamas and I read to the children and then I said, I have a surprise for you kids tonight. And I asked them to stand up in front of me online. And they did. And one by one, I pulled out a pair of pajamas I thought would fit the child in front of me and gave them to the child and the staff would take that boy or girl into the other room to go to sleep. Halfway through, there was a little girl and she came up to about my hips. She was quiet all night and she was wearing a pink um, soil top and pants that were very, very short, just below her knee. They were lavender and her pigtails were like messed up here, like one up, one down, and big shoes. And she clearly didn't have clothes that you know were, were healthy for her or even comfortable. So I gave her a pair of pajamas. I put them out and she just shook her head. So. No, no, no. She shook her head. And I tried to insist gently, honey, these are for you. And she kept shaking her head. No, no, no. And finally, she stepped to the side, but she wanted to watch me. So she watched the other children. And finally, I went back over to her. And I tried again when the rest of the children had their pajamas or were going into that room to sleep. And I knelt down and I tried again. And I said, honey, these will fit you. And look, they're soft. And I put them on her hand. I said, don't you want your pajamas? And she looked at me and she whispered, what are pajamas? What are they? And I, I don't know how I kept it together. 
And that was the moment everything switched. And I couldn't stop thinking about how many children there must be like this precious little girl who slept in her clothes and didn't even know what pajamas were. And I was obsessed from that day forward. Wow, Genevieve. So I'm jumping in because Nicole's having some technical difficulties in South Dakota. But um, what happened after that? Tell us, tell us more about this. You know, after you met this girl and you saw the need for pajamas, what was next? So all I could do was think about how many pajamas I could buy and leaving work early and taking long lunch hours. I didn't even, I didn't even care about work anymore. It was just a total flip. My heart was leading and it just kept talking louder and louder. These kids need help. These kids need to feel loved and warm. They're afraid and they're cold. They don't know what's going on. And it was just this constant barrage on, on from my heart into my head. And of course, my head was fighting like, what are you doing? You have to go to work. And it was just a crazy time where my heart was just forcing me, which I welcomed to take care of what I need to take care of to get as many pajamas and books to these children. And my phone was ringing from the staff and their friends who were staff at other um, other places where the children were being brought in and everyone was asking for pajamas. And I wasn't telling anybody because I didn't even know what this was going to become. And I didn't want to put my, my job on the line because I needed the money to buy the pajamas. So it was, it was a really crazy time. And um, I, I didn't have a plan. I didn't know what to do. I was just obsessed. And wow. yeah, it was, it was, it was the most fulfilling, crazy obsession <laughs> I've ever had. That's how it's about pajamas and then these children and helping them. How how long was that period? And did you ever feel burned out? Um, I think I was on a high, so I didn't feel burned out for a long time. But I wasn't really being responsible. You know, I, I it was months and I was hiding it from everybody because I didn't know what this was. You know, what was I going to tell people? I didn't even know what I was doing. I And I didn't know if it would last. I didn't see how it could become something that, you know, would, would grow. I just knew I had to do it every day. So it took months. And it, the universe helps in so many ways. And I put that in my book and I put so many, at the end of every chapter, I put the heart of the matter takeaways of the lessons I learned. And they're pretty, they're pretty honest lessons. And one of them was gather your cheerleaders because when you have a naysayer, which happened to me before I told anybody, I said, let me try it out on somebody that, you know, that I know, but not well enough that they could really tell anyone in my world and I would be at risk so I had a drink with this woman who was a friend and I started to tell her and I could hear myself saying, you know, I met these children. I started to read in a shelter and I found out that they were sleeping in their clothes. And one little girl asked me, what are pajamas? When I tried to give her pajamas and I couldn't believe it. And now all I can think about is giving pajamas and I want to do that. And I don't care about my work anymore. And I did hear myself saying it and I thought, oh, wow, that sounds really, you know, really <laughs> irresponsible. And she obviously felt it was irresponsible because she just said to me, what, why, what are you doing? What do you think that's really going to do? Help these children by giving them pajamas and you're going to throw away your entire career. And it was like, boom, boom, boom. I felt like the punches to the stomach. I had no answers for her and she was really challenging me. And it took me a while to feel confident again, because those were all the doubts I had, all the things that she was asking me, 
were what I was asking myself. And I had no answers and I was ignoring it. But here she she was, you know, with just like punching, felt like I was being punched. Mm -hmm. Finally, uh, I met a great guy and I told him about it and he said, go for it. And I said, let me ask my mom and we confide in her. And she said, I don't know how you'll do it, but I know you will. It's a beautiful idea. And so I say, I should have gotten those first, those cheerleaders. Mm -hmm. And I say that you have to get your cheerleaders lined up before you take a chance, um, you know, exposing your innermost um, desires and secrets about a big change of life, because those cheerleaders are going to help you when those challengers are going to really mirror your own doubts. Mm -hmm. um, it's great to hear about the cheerleaders. How how did you share that with those around you? How did you know the difference between someone was going to be a naysayer or if they would be a cheerleader? Um, because this story is so unique. You know, you're talking about pajamas with for children that you know most people aren't thinking about. And here you had, you know, brought two ideas together. How did you find your cheerleaders? Well, I, I tried to, I, I knew my mom putting us to bed, she would understand, you know, she was a, a mom, a homemaker. She didn't work after she started having children. And so being a mom was her life. And because I had those memories and I knew how much she loved bedtime for us, as much as we did having her with us, I just hoped that she would understand. She'd always understood before and I was right. Thank goodness she understood. And she wasn't so worried. I went to my dad and he was a little worried because, you know, he was the breadwinner and he knew business could be difficult and he was happy that I was successful and independent. So he was worried and he did have a lot of questions, but it was, I knew he was coming from a loving place. And then when I met this great guy, I thought this is a real test because if he's going to act like the first girl, He's not the guy for me. And he won me over because literally he said, I think you should go for it. And so I had him, I had my mom and slowly I started to tell a few other people and I felt strong again. And of course there were still naysayers and still people with questions I had no answers for, but having those rocks meant everything. Meant I could get up a little bit quicker every time I got knocked down. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us about that from wearing the suit um, in your corporate world to, you know, having this become your passion? What, mm -hmm. what did that transition look like? Um, it was a rocky transition. Um, you know, I, I was clearly messing up at work. I read about, honestly, about that too. And I didn't want to get fired. And I certainly needed the money because I was running up big bills. <laughs> I talk about that too, because that's a, a real um, issue. Um, for a lot of people who are, or a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, we put everything into what we believe in as crazy as it is, or, you know, as, um, as simple a plan is that we might put together at the start. And so I knew I couldn't lose my job and I, but I was close to being fired. So I started to do project work instead of full-time work. And, you know, I just kept my head low because I know people were wondering and I never told anyone as to this day, um, you know, a few um, that I'm friends with on Facebook realize, and we laugh about that time that nobody knew, but it got really, it really got scary and uncomfortable and the money was an issue. And I still didn't know how I'd raise money or spread the word. It was just 
my thing. It was my love, my obsession. But slowly, thanks to a um, major magazine that heard about what I was doing and called me and said, are you the lady that's giving out pajamas in Harlem? And I said, yes. And she said, can we write a little article? And I said, sure. And they wrote a little article in the December, January issue, a year after 9-11. And 9-11 for all of us, especially in New York, we all loved each other. There wasn't anything we wouldn't do for each other because we all had that fear that, that losing our life, losing our country in such a horrific way bonded all of us. Mm -hmm. And even one year later, we were in that still loving mode. And when that article, and I'm telling you, it was this big, came out that national magazine, I was flooded with boxes and letters. And I married that man and he helped me open thousands of boxes. I mean, we were sleeping on them, eating on them, walking around them in my little apartment. And one letter said, if you will send us your 501c3, we'd like to give you a grant. And I looked at him with this paper and I said, what is this thing, 501c3? <laughs> I didn't even know how to be a legitimate nonprofit until that question you know, was, was asked of me. And then I looked at him and I looked at the sea of boxes and handwritten notes and beautiful kids pajamas and books. And I said, this is now a responsibility. All these people are trusting me. Wow. I have to figure out how to, you know, to earn their trust and keep this going. And that was the moment that it became, you know, real, so to speak. Mm -hmm. It became a legitimate um, life and career change. Mm -hmm. So juggling, you know, and I have a chapter in the book, Leave Juggling for the Clowns. Juggling is no fun. It's no fun, especially when your heart's pulling you one way and your common sense or your brain is pulling you another. Mm -hmm. Wow. And here you took your passion and the next thing you know, you're getting all this mail, all these letters, all these emotions from people that are new cheerleaders for you. And the 5013C literally sounds like it was dropped in your lap. Um, tell us about it today. What does what does the business look like today? Well, we are celebrating 20 years this year. And we have 63 volunteer chapters around the U.S. So we cover every city, every state. And we have thousands of places on our list that receive new pajamas and new books. And we've topped 7 million new pajamas and new books to children across the U.S. So it's it's incredible. It's incredible. And a couple of years ago, I went to the board and said, I'm, I've never dreamt, I never dreamt that we would be national. And the more corporate work that it brings to us, the more I realize my favorite part is telling that story, telling our story of that little girl who seems to have touched tens of thousands of people, not just you board members, not just me, but strangers. Mm -hmm. And because I think everybody has that feeling in our hearts of that moment of loneliness and that, that uh, fear of being alone, that that little girl was experiencing on a regular basis. I think we could all feel her pain mm -hmm. and everybody responded. So I said, you know, let's hire an executive director and let me just be the founder and, and write my book and speak about the story. And so we did. And so now I always tell Jamie, our new executive director, she's taking my baby to college mm -hmm. and growing it. And she's an attorney. So she's perfect for all the things that you know, weren't my favorite things. And I just love that emotional human connection 
-hmm. that, that is so important for, for all of us telling our stories. Mm -hmm. And so I have two more questions. Um, the first is, have you tracked this little girl? Have you followed her and kept up with, with her? Will you tell us? I, I wish I could tell you that, no, she, it was a very fluid, it is a very fluid population. And back then I had no idea that I should be taking notes. And, mm -hmm. you know, I didn't see most of those children, but there are a few that came, you know, in the second year, I did take notes and that I'm still in touch with. And one was two and I have a picture of her holding up a pair of pajamas and she's in college and it's, it's amazing. It's amazing to see her, a beautiful young lady, um, so successful, loves reading, and you know, just has great memories of us being together and her coming to our reading center. So there are a few, but I took, um, I, I asked my niece, who is an artist in Chicago, and she knew the story. And I asked her a few years ago if I gave her details of my memory of this little girl, could she draw her? And she said, I'll do the best I can. And we spent a good amount of time on the phone and I just closed my eyes and I saw her and I gave Nicole so many details and she sent me the picture, which is in the book. And it just, I was sobbing because it, it had that, that um, recognizable face to me all of a sudden mm -hmm. after, you know, 17 years of her living in my memory, she's now on paper and that, and that's what I have of her and that's what I can share. Wow. And so we're, we're looking for her. We will we'll get that picture out there and see if we can find her because I know Somebody she's said, Yes. Um, finally, my last question is, will you share a favorite kindness story? Oh, geez. So many kindness stories. I think it's great. I, I think, this whole year has been a real eye opener for people who who've been so kind. And let's see, one of my favorite stories. Um, let's see. Could be an act that you did or that someone did for you, or even if you witnessed, you know, an act of kindness happening before you. Um, let's see. I have witnessed so many acts of kindness. Um, I know a friend of mine lost her job and she was really um, worried as so many are. And we talked about what she could do. And one of the things was to do the, to have um, meals on wheels, help them. And she decided to do that. And it has brought her to life. And she's, she's told me about, so many of the seniors that she's delivered meals to and how in this time they've become friends and she's often the only one they see weeks at a time when they open the door. And I, I think of her and she told me she brings flowers to some of the ladies there. And she told me that one of them after seeing and bringing her food, she didn't look so good one day. And she decided, let me call 911. Let me see if they can come just to see if she's okay. And they actually saved her life. So by getting out of her worry and her sadness, I was so touched by how she fell in love with these seniors that she delivered food to. So much that she actually took an interest in, she noticed that the woman didn't look like herself. 
-hmm. And that, that whole revelation for her of purpose mm -hmm. in this time was, was so kind. And I think there are so many people who are reaching out in this, in this year, like my friend did. Mm -hmm. Thank you for hey, sharing. Sarah, thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Thanks, Genevieve. For jumping in there. We clearly are out of power in Aberdeen and have technical difficulties. But Genevieve, uh, do you want to tell us about Irvington or is there anything else you'd like to share? Um, well, Irvington's right outside New York. It's part of Westchester. It's where we opened um, our first reading center in Yonkers, just um, one of the towns over. And um, we bring, well, we now during this year, our reading centers are closed, but our reading centers bring children in to read with us and our volunteers and receive new pajamas. And it's just a, a beautiful way to spend time and the volunteers love spending time with the children. We have a big one in Manhattan, a big reading center and a big one in Atlanta. And um, that's one of the big things I know our volunteers uh, miss so much. How beautiful though, that it's grown to multiple centers when it initially wasn't it just uh, kind of the donation of basically somebody's front porch. They said, here, we've got this rundown spot. Go ahead yes. and see what you can do with it. That's the one that's here in Westchester. That, that was our first reading center. Yeah, it's on the grounds of uh, a group home, which was an orphanage. You know, we don't use those word, that word anymore, orphanage, but it, it was. It was started by an orphan who married a wealthy man and said, can we turn your beautiful big farm into an orphanage for other children who were like me? Mm, how beautiful. Well, thank you so much for talking with us, Genevieve. Thanks, Sarah, for being our rock star interviewer today. And <laughs> thank you, think, Sarah. Yeah, yeah. People want more information. Please go to pajamaprogram.org or genevievepaturo.com. Is that correct? Is anywhere else you want people to go? No, they can find my book um, anywhere that they buy books or on my website and find me, and I can introduce them to anyone at Pajama Program and they can find out about Pajama Program, what we're doing, like you said, on Pajama awesome. Program's website. Awesome. Thanks so much. And um, gosh, great big blessings on what you're doing there. That's That's amazing stuff. Thank you for helping spread the word, both of you. That was a conversation with Genevieve Paturo, founder of the Pajama Program. Check out her book, Purpose, Passion, and Pajamas, and learn more about the organization at pajamaprogram.org. Thanks for listening to The Kindness Podcast. It's produced by WOUB Public Media and relies heavily on the kindness of engineer Adam Rich. I'm Nicole Phillips. We hope you'll subscribe to The Kindness Podcast wherever you listen and find us on social media at Kindness Podcast. If you like the show, please spread some kindness in the review section. And check out my book, The Negativity Remedy, now available in stores. <laughs>